And so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning as we move forward. Number one, I hope and I pray that you're catching the attitude of celebration. It's not every day somebody rises from the grave and conquers death, right? And so for some of us, I I know that we can have a certain sense of skepticism because I don't really get to see Jesus. Now, if, if Jesus showed up here this morning physically, and we could like Thomas, and as you saw in the, in the cartoon there, boink, boink, you know, you could actually do that. Would you then believe? Would you believe that much more? Some of us say that we already believe, but would you believe that much more? You know, here's the fascinating thing. You're about to hear what Jesus says to that exact thought. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning in the presentation of the message. We're going to have about eight participants, all choreographed by the Holy Spirit. So listen carefully. Turn in your scriptures, if you have your Bible this morning, to John 20. And you're going to hear from our young people as they read the scripture. What will be up on the screen at different times will just be segments of the different uh, parts that we're going to move through. And we're going to move through four separate segments of this story this morning to complete the chapter. And we're doing this in a unique way, not so much because uh, I didn't necessarily want to preach, um, but in the sense of letting the word speak through our elders as a whole. And so you're going to hear from each of our elders on the four different specific levels. So this morning, let's start by hearing the first aspect of John 20, 1 through 10. stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. It is now. It is on the first day of the week. It is now. We're here because it is finished. Because it is the acceptable sacrifice that Jesus did himself on the cross that God the Father had accepted it and that's why he rose from the dead by the glory of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit he's not in the grave anymore Mary comes in the morning early in the morning when it's still dark she loves the Lord she want to honor him she took spices and wanted to anoint his body but he's not there anymore. 
It's a little bit late, Mary. It's okay. She ran back and talks to John and Peter. Come quickly. They took the master. His body is not there anymore. Where did they put him? And they ran. Both of them ran together. One outran the other. He's more energetic. Maybe he's younger. We don't know. But he stops by the door, by the, by the tomb's door. And he stoops down and he doesn't go in. The other one, the courageous one, the zealous one, comes in and forges in and goes inside. And both look inside. And they come back. But the scriptures told us that they go back. They wander and they go back to their homes. Back to their homes. What was missing there? Jesus' body. But he's not missing. There was other things that was missing from them, specifically the disciples. They heard him. They lived with him. They ate with him. They see him. They seen everything that he'd done. He told them more than one occasions. The gospel told us that three times at least that the Lord talked about his death and resurrection. And he tells them that specifically, but for some reason, they forgot about it. Let me go back and read to you from Luke 18, one of the occasions that the Lord had talked to them about. Then he took the 12 aside. He took the 12 aside. So we can't blame Mary right now. She maybe wasn't there to hear this. And said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him, and kill him. And the third day he will rise. Another occasion in Luke 9, he tells them that. The same words, almost. But at the very, very beginning, he tells them that, let these words sink down in your ears. I don't want you to worry about Peter and John. They got it later on. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit that explained to them, that opened their eyes and opened the books and the scriptures before their hearts. And how we know that? They gave their lives proclaiming that, proclaiming the word of God, the promise of God, and the facts of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of one quick thing. A story, a true story that the Lord had shared with us, that told at one point of time. It's the story of the rich man, and Lazarus, the poor man that was sitting on his door. All what he was longing for is just the crumbs, the leftovers of the rich man, but he couldn't find it. Both died. Both died. Lazarus, the Bible tells us that the angels carried him to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man the Bible tells us that he died and he's being buried. 
and opened his eyes and he's tormented in Hades. And he looks across and sees Lazarus at the bosom of Abraham. And we all know the story. He asks him to just send Lazarus with a little drop of water and just so he can touch his he can touch his tongue that he may just relieve a little bit of the pain. And then after that, when he heard from Abraham that this is impossible, nobody can come from here to your side or nobody can come from your side to here, he says, okay, all right, there is no hope for me. How about my five brothers? Would you send him to my five brothers so they won't come here to that tormenting place? And listen to what Abraham had answered him. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. The Lord himself was telling this story. Moses and the prophets we have. We have more. We have the gospel, the full gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. And by the way, the Lord who was telling this story, he rose. Do we need more persuasion? Did we take the decision? Have we considered him? Have we believed in him? Let me go back to Mary very quickly. This loving lady that loved the Lord, and she couldn't even stand or wait until the dawn comes in and the light comes in, but she went out in the dark times. Let me read to you from Proverbs 8 and the uh, verse 17 what the Lord would do to, to such a person that seeks him diligently. I love those who love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. I pray this morning that him who was ahead of Mary in her way running to the tomb, that rolled away that big stone that he rolls away the stone that hinders us from getting to him whatever it is that we have in our hearts that needs to be rolled away he can do that it was not the stone that kept him on the grave it was not the, the, the linen cloth that he was wrapped in nothing could have been able to keep him in the grave he, he rose he rose Amen. And I pray here that you might, you might find him, the risen Christ, and he can raise you with him from the spiritual death. Let me remind you with a couple of verses at the end. In the same Proverbs 18, it says that, For whoever finds me finds life, and obtain favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. It was in John 3.16, and John says it, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God Mm -hmm. May we see him this morning. Mm.
John 20, 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have lain him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have lain him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went out and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said those things to her. Ryan, thank you. So we find Mary back at the tomb. She had to be at her wit's end. She was grieving the loss of someone that she loved. Her love survived, but her faith was dead. Her hope was dead. And when she discovered that Jesus' body was missing, part of that grief turned to anger and to fear. She was sobbing, and despite the fact that Jesus told his followers that he had to die and that he would be raised in three days, the last thing she was thinking about was seeing the risen Jesus. All she wanted to find was the body of the dead Jesus. So she looks into the tomb, and through tears she sees two angels, but she doesn't even seem to recognize them as angels. They ask her, why is she weeping? And she bursts out, they've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. Then she turns around and runs smack dab into the risen Jesus. (laughs) But through her grief and anger, she doesn't recognize him. She, in fact, so Jesus says, you know, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And she responds by saying, have you moved the body? She asks him if, if, if he's moved the body, which is kind of a strange occurrence. But then she hears it. She hears Mary. And immediately she knows that it's her master. She knows because Jesus had said, I know my sheep and they know me. I call them and they follow me. At that moment, Mary experienced her own resurrection in a sense. Her dead faith, her evaporated hope came alive again through Jesus, the risen Jesus. There are some of you here this morning like Mary. All this business about the joy of the risen Christ is hard for you because you're carrying around a load of grief or anger or fear. Perhaps someone close to you has died. We've experienced a a terrible tragedy for which there's no real explanation. Perhaps you've lost your job, or the one you have is a dead end. Perhaps someone close to you has betrayed you. Perhaps your marriage has died, and all the counseling and seminars haven't changed a thing. Perhaps life in your home is really hard. Perhaps school is overwhelming. Perhaps you feel totally alone with no one to call a friend. Perhaps it's your health. Perhaps growing older is more than you bargained for. And because of your grief or anger or fear, you can't see the Lord. And yet, like Mary, he may be right there with you. But you can't see him because your grief and anger and fear have buried you. How is it that you will come to faith? 
in the midst of your grief and anger, how will you see the Lord? Well, the answer is right here, and many of us have experienced it. First, he allows you to share your pain with him. He comes and asks, why are you weeping? And he allows you to unload on him, to let him know what's going on. As you share your pain with him, he leads you to a place in your heart where you can begin to hear his voice, to hear him call your name. You're not even sure how this happens. It could be that God's word starts to make sense. It could be that you realize how tired you are of relying on your own strength to fight the battles in your life. It could be that you sense more deeply than ever that there are areas in your life that need to change, that there are areas in your life that you're ashamed of and that you want to change. It could be that you're tired of chasing after the illusory promises that the world tells us we need to be happy. This is Jesus revealing himself to you. It can happen over time or it can happen in an instant. But the result is that you come to a place where in your heart you believe that he really is alive and that his victory is your victory. I've seen people like Mary come to faith. I've seen him call out their names. And yes, just like Mary, he knows your name. He knows all about you. And like Mary, there are many who come to faith and hope out of grief and out of anger and out of fear and out of loss because at their lowest point, they heard him call their name. Listen to Jesus' exact words. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will live with him and he with me. That's his promise to each of us. Amen. Jesus appears to the disciples. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When, we, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. To the disciples, Jesus was missing from the tomb. John and Peter had witnessed firsthand the empty tomb, but they had not seen him. But Mary Magdala had a direct encounter with Jesus and she told the disciples what had been spoken to her. The disciples had almost been arrested since the time of Jesus' so-called trial. They remain under the fear of death at the hands of the Jewish authorities, especially now since the body was missing. So they decided to meet, to meet in secret, to meet at night. They had fear. And they met behind locked doors, and they made sure those doors were locked and secured. They needed to try to figure out what was going on. They would most likely be accused of stealing the body. So can you imagine the agenda items they were 
having to go over or thinking about going over during this meeting. And as this meeting was taking place, Jesus passed through the door, as indicated by the fact that the doors were locked. He came and stood among them. And this is the most uh, incredible, awesome miracle that perhaps we could think of. Hmm. This showed the power of his new resurrected body. But his body had substantial form and looked like his pre-cross body. So this was Jesus in the flesh. This is Jesus as God appearing right now before the disciples. And his first words are, peace be with you. And this is the conventional greeting similar to Salom in Hebrew. But the words were now invested with a deeper and more fuller meaning. Seeing the wounds in his pierced hands and sighed, they were overjoyed, though at first they were frightened. Now their fear turned to great joy, and obviously they were relieved. This was the resurrected Jesus in bodily form, as predicted by the prophets and Jesus himself. This is the total fulfillment of scriptures. Without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith would not be complete. Jesus then recommissioned the disciples as his apostles. He was sending them as his representatives, as the Father had sent him. They were sent with his authority to preach, teach, and do miraculous miracles and signs of wonder. For their new commission, they needed spiritual power. As you know, the disciples themselves, they try to do a lot of things within their own willpower. But for this, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thank you, Jericho. I want to say thank you to our young people for standing up and reading Scripture and participating this morning. It's kind of nice when it's not just one person. I'm not just saying that because, you know. But it's kind of nice. And that's kind of how the early church operated, is that they admonished, they encouraged, they taught one another. And so it's been a privilege to be together this morning. How you doing? Good. Are you grabbing a sense yet of the magnitude of the resurrection and how it changes your life? What's really going on here? Because it's going to get sticky here in a second. 
Jesus says these words. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is up in my daughter's room on a plaque. Blessed are those who, who have seen, right? That's what he said? No. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I have a question for you. It's a real simple question. How many of you have physically seen Jesus? Raise your hand. Good. No post-counseling sessions required. Um, Secondly, and this is for you to do an internal check of yourself, since none of us have physically seen Jesus, there are those in the room that attest to the fact that you yet believe in Him. Are you nuts? Why why would you do that? You all seem like pretty sharp people. I mean, these three guys that got up ahead of me, they're smarter than me. Some of you are family members, and, and you'll attest, they're fairly sane. Fairly. So what is all this? Because, you know, when it comes to Jesus, you've got to make a decision. Right now, you and I have to make a decision. And, and C.S. Lewis put it this way. Either he's Lord, he is who he says he is, or he's a lunatic, or he is a, and for all you C.S. Lewis fans, he's a what? He's a liar. He only fits in one of those three categories. So that's your and I's decision this morning is, is he Lord? Is he nuts? Or is he just a liar? You don't get any other option. There's you, you and I, we all have to decide. This isn't a movie. We don't walk out like critics and say, ah, you know, I like that part where Mike was up there and he looked good in that tie. I've never seen him in a tie. That was really like an action scene of, of the entire movie. That was fantastic. Or, or the part that Brad was doing, it was like I heard violins in the background and, and it, you know, I was emotionally, you know, moved. It was the feel-good movie of... Two, This isn't a movie. But sometimes it feels like that, right? Because we get together every Easter and we talk about this. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet they believe. I have just a couple things I want to run you through. First of all, Jesus is missing. It's a good thing. What? Pastor, what are you talking about? Okay, there you go again. You're going to bring some irony, some twist. No, it, it really is a good thing because we're celebrating what today? Today is a celebration of the resurrection. If there's a body in the tomb, there's no what? Resurrection. There were people at that time that it was good for business if Jesus was dead. They're the ones that forcibly put Him on the cross in the narrative. Our sin in essence, is what put him on the cross. By the way, I'm going to give you that you've already had the gospel message, but I'm going to give it to you very clearly right now. This is it. This is what you need to hear. This is what this is all about. Either we believe that we have souls or we don't. But if we do have a soul, then that soul goes beyond the material. Then what is there? Well, I believe the scripture has proven itself to be true over and over and over it doesn't lie to me, not just because I believe in it, but because it's what's called self-evident. 
over and over and over. It makes these huge predictions. And yet those things keep coming true over and over. I've not yet found the scriptures to lie. And the scriptures say that our soul is eternal. So it will either eternally be condemned away from God. That's what scripture says, not Pastor Jer. Or if for those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that faith justifies us to be in heaven forever with God. And so, listen carefully, this is how it happens. You can win a lottery ticket, right? But if you don't scratch it off, it doesn't matter, right? So it's not enough for us to just say what was said. Here's the scratcher part. This is the part where you participate. If you hear that voice and it's drawing upon you to say that which seems kind of like, man, I really don't know. I'm not there. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. I can't speak to it. But yet something's compelling me and drawing me to this story. Folks, that's the voice of God talking to you. Don't ignore it. Now the faith part, it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is being confident or sure of what we cannot see. The faith part justifies us to be what's called saved. That we all sin. One sin. One small, minor sin. Separates us from a perfect God. And so because of that, Christ came as the perfect. And He paid that penalty. Janine once paid a traffic ticket for me. It was a beautiful moment in our dating life. I didn't realize I was going to get hit. I thought I could beat the system. I'm sitting there and I, she's in the, you know, she's in the background, Judge Wapner and everybody, right? We're all having a great time. And, and uh, I thought I was going to get out of this and I didn't get out of it. So I didn't even bother researching that I could do traffic school and all that. And he says, $432. Thank you very much. And I'm like, look, I eat pizza for a living. Uh, there's no 400. There's like four, you know, I, and so what do I do? <laughs> Hey, babe, you got any money? She paid my penalty. Thank you so much. That's why I married you. No. Jesus paid our penalty, folks, because we can't pay it. You cannot pay that penalty. And God knew it. So what did he do? He sacrificed himself. And here's the beauty about resurrection. Is if he had just stayed dead, he wouldn't be missing. Here's why missing is a good thing. Two other people died with Christ on that day. They're still in their graves. In order to have a resurrection, Jesus has to go missing out of the grave. And for all those people who wanted nothing to do with Him and wanted Him gone, all they had to do, all they had to do was go to that grave and point to the body. End of story. They couldn't do it, folks. They're still trying to disprove Jesus resurrected even the romans at that time said the mysterious happenings in judea that came out of rome from Pliny. that's not in the bible they had heard about this resurrection jesus missing is a good thing the question is where do you go from there secondly it's a faith thing it's a faith thing By the way, let me finish up that gospel message. So we know that the next part is that we then have to respond. We respond in faith. We may not be able to touch it, speak to it, figure it out. But if we have that voice speaking to us, 
I encourage you, respond to that voice. And this is how you respond. Scripture says, and again, Scripture is self-evident. It's always proven itself to be true. Is that we just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is, number one, the Son of God. That He died, rose on the third day. That's what Scripture says, Romans 10.9. If you have that faith, And faith means you don't have it quite all figured out, folks. But if you have that faith, then your soul is eternally saved and you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. And now He's no longer missing. That's when Jesus missing is a bad thing. Because when in my own life, Jesus is missing, that's when it switches from being a good thing. Secondly, what do you do? It's faith. And so that's the next challenge that Thomas had, right? His boys are there in the room. There's Mary and others in the room and the door is locked. Nobody's getting through. And they're telling Thomas, Hey, we saw him, man. We touched him. We talked to him. And Thomas says, No. No, I'm not buying it. Unless I what? Unless I touch him. Unless I touch him. Now maybe that's you today. Maybe you're a person who already has faith. But maybe that faith has been smashed a little bit. Maybe that faith has been damaged a little bit because you've been disappointed like Thomas. There's a certain amount of excitement that's happening in this room. There's a certain amount of mystery that's happening in this room. They're talking. They're excited. They don't know what's going on. And, and, and they're probably starting to put it together, what Hanny was talking about. And yet Thomas says, no! Why? You see, Thomas is that same guy that... It, just prior in the week, as they were getting ready to head up to Jerusalem out of Jericho, Thomas says, let's go die with him. Man, that guy's committed. He had faith. He was there. So, Jesus missing, you know, it's this thing about faith. It's a faith thing. Thomas had faith, even to the point of saying, I'll go die. But now he's the only one in the room that's pouting. Is that us? Let me dissect Thomas for you for just a second. You see, I think Thomas was shattered. I think Thomas loved Jesus so much. And I think Thomas saw certain things playing out a certain way. He had seen Jesus do incredible things. And as you're around somebody like that, you start to think about the possibilities and where it'll all go and what'll happen. And you start mapping it out, don't you? But Jesus is dead. And what Thomas is saying is indicative of someone who's bitter. They're shattered. They're disappointed. And maybe that's where you are with your faith today. Maybe you're like Thomas. You believed at one point. But Jesus has disappointed you. Because life hasn't worked out the way you thought it was going to work out. Your faith is hanging on by a thread. And you're saying, if He shows up, then I'll believe in Him. You know, here's the challenge, if that's you today. Jesus has His plan that He operates by. We have ours. I'll borrow from one of Thomas's friends, kind of at the same time period. His name is Peter. And maybe you heard him as well say, when Jesus said, I'm going to be going up and I'm going to be laying down my life. And Peter says to him, what? He says, no! 
May it never happen. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says something that I'm not comfortable with and you're probably not comfortable with. I wouldn't have wanted to hear. But he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter had the best of intentions. He loved Christ. But Peter had his agenda of what was supposed to happen. Just like Thomas. And maybe just like us. When we came to Christ, we said, hey, it's going to look like this now. No more suffering. No more difficulty. No more pain. It's going to cruise, baby. And then you took a left cross. And then your L4 went out. And then your finances went down the tubes. And you're sitting in a room with a locked door and you're saying, unless he shows up personally, I don't believe it anymore. You've been disappointed. You know, what if Jesus had followed through with what Peter said? Do you know what was at stake? I would have loved that Jesus never had to die for any of us. Right? But what I love more is God's wisdom and His discernment and His plan ultimately is the best. And I get to experience salvation. I get to experience relationship with Jesus Christ every day because He followed through with the more difficult plan. Folks, that requires faith. And if your faith is damaged, if you're sitting in a room like Thomas, can I encourage you? Stop thinking Jesus is missing. Start crying out to Him because what happened for Thomas? Jesus heard him. Right? You know, the story goes, Thomas was, yeah, uh, unless He shows up, unless I can touch Him, unless I can have a conversation with Him, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not buying it. And then they all moved on. They went out for falafels. Right? That's how, the, that's how the story goes, right? Jesus showed up because he heard Thomas. You know how you know he heard Thomas? Because the way the story is told, he walks right up to Thomas and he says, Right here, buddy. Right here. Jesus wants you to say what Thomas said that day. If your faith is damaged or if your faith is not there yet and you need to make that decision, He wants you to be able to cry out exactly what Thomas said, which is, my Lord and my God. By the way, that statement is not a sorrowful one, right? It doesn't come across that way. It doesn't come across depressive. It doesn't come across coerced. It doesn't come across any other way than reactive. And exciting. It requires faith. That part, we have to respond to. We have to respond to a missing Christ. And we have to seek Him. There's a bumper sticker that came out of the late 80's that I loved. It said, Gretzky scores and Jesus saves. You know, there's a part that we have to participate in. That's on us. The third thing is hope. It's a hope thing. Believing in Jesus gives you hope when the moments seem most desperate. It was there for Thomas. It was there for the disciples. Some of us have lost hope. We're standing behind locked doors. 
because something happened, something crushed us, or maybe it just seems too implausible that this would actually happen. My challenge for those that think that way is simply this. I'm a pretty rational person. I believe the Warriors were going to win yesterday. I'm not that foolish. I did believe that the San Diego Chargers would beat the 49ers in 1994 Super Bowl. But that's the only foolish decision I've ever made in my entire life. And yet I've sold my heart out to this. Because I found it to be true. The challenge is Thomas is looking around the room and all these people say, we've seen him. And it wasn't good enough for him. There are those of you in this room this morning that have not yet committed your heart over, and it doesn't matter what I say. That isn't good enough. Your hope has to be not in men. It has to be in Jesus Christ. And He will show up. He will change your life. And He will be able to go through any locked door that you have. This morning, are you ready to say, my Lord and my God? It's a hope thing. There's two questions today I want to ask you, and that's simply this. Hearing what you've heard, knowing what you know, you fit in three categories, according to the three categories I just made up in my mind. One, You fully buy into this, you get it, and you're rejoicing. Keep doing that. And share that. Share that with other people. Because it's special. It's real. And it provides hope. Secondly, you may be the person that stepped out in faith. And you had an initial drawing towards Christ. But it hasn't gone necessarily the way you thought it would go. And so you're stuck in a room with everybody who's excited about it, but you're not so excited about it. You're just saying, Jesus, how come you didn't make it happen this way? This is the way it was supposed to happen. Can I encourage you, stop locking the door. Ask Him to come and meet with you, and He will meet with you. And He will take that burden, whatever it is. Please understand this. Even God knew suffering would still happen. During this time here, Suffering will always happen. And so much so that Jesus inserted Himself into that suffering and took on the greatest amount of suffering. But He loves you and I. And He wants to carry us through that suffering. So don't be deceived. Don't get this Pollyannish idea like Thomas had. Remember, Jesus is Lord and He will carry you through. Thirdly, there are those that still, you're saying, I think he's probably still in the tomb. I think he's there. I think they just didn't look hard enough under the linens. They didn't move the linens. Maybe it was the wrong tomb. Maybe this Jesus guy never even existed. I have one thing for you. And it's not the testimony of men. It's not me. It's not those around the room that would say that they believe. It is simply Jesus. Give him an honest shake. There's too much at stake for you just to walk out, ignore, and be a movie critic. Give him an honest shake and seek after him. See if this is real. And he'll show himself to you. 
But you've got to pursue it just as much as you would pursue anything that's of great value in life. It's decision time. It's a decision thing. The tragedy is that Jesus is missing in some of our lives. The good thing was Jesus was missing out of the grave. The tragedy is that Jesus is missing in some of our lives. This morning you have the chance to change that. We're going to have a moment of of prayer. I'm going to pray over the offering. Again, if you're visiting those cards at the back of the seats, please fill those out if you if you have time and drop that in the offering plate. Offering plate's right there by the door on the way out. This morning you can drop your offerings and, and things like that. If you're visiting, don't have any compulsion to participate in the offering. That's part of what we do for our act of worship. But while Steve is closing with the song, we're going to have the elders over here to pray with anybody who wants to pray. And as Stephen starts the song, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. And if there's a if God's voice is speaking to you, respond to him. Maybe for some of us it is my Lord, my God. Maybe for some of us it is blessed are those who believed without seeing. But listen. And if there's something drawing you, act on it. And come pray with us. That's why we're here. If this morning you're sitting in a room and you're damaged, and you've locked the doors because you've been so disappointed, come pray with us. Because that is not what Jesus intends for you. That is not what the Gospel is about. Come pray with us. Lay that burden at Christ's feet. Because He knew that Thomas was hurting. He knew that Thomas was disappointed. What did He do? He showed up. And He'll show up for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Blessed Easter and resurrection to you guys. If you're visiting this morning and you're looking for a church, there's a great one down the street. You should check that. No, you're more than welcome. There's a lot of churches all over the place. You are welcome to be here. We'd love to have you. Next week is a very unique time. Very unique time. Come listen to Dr. Peter Payne. This is a church that loves Christ first and then loves the other people next. And anybody can walk through those doors here at Conquer Bible Church. Let me go ahead and pray for the offering and for our time and then the worship band will go ahead and dismiss us with a song. Thank you for being here today. And may the God of all glory and His Spirit and His Son watch over you. Let's pray. It is to Your glory, Father, that we lift our voices. It is for the glory of Your power through the resurrection, Father, that we gather today and celebrate. And Lord, we ask that over our gifts, You preside. You use those for Your efforts and, and, and serving those around in our community and within this church. Father, we pray over each particular person that's here, each soul that is here, that they would wrestle with, because it is decision time, they would wrestle with who You are, who Your Son is. 
And Lord, I pray specifically over those that maybe they're like Thomas. Maybe they're feeling a little damaged. Maybe they're feeling a little distraught. And they want to hide behind locked doors. And they feel abandoned by You. Lord, make it abundantly clear that You are wanting to work on their behalf. And that just because some agenda didn't happen or because some disappointment happened at some point in time doesn't mean that you aren't disappointed as well, but you are willing to walk them through that and provide hope and provide faith and provide comfort and answers. Lord, break down those walls that we put up to keep you out. Let us seek after you so that you are no longer missing out of our lives. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to the heart's of those in the room this morning that still need to make that statement, my Lord and my God. And if this is the time for them to make that statement, that Your Spirit moves them and speaks to them even now in their hearts and their minds. Thank You, Lord, for gathering us together today to celebrate the miracle of the resurrection and the proof and the strength and the power that it provides and the hope that it provides. Give us faith in all of that. To your glory. Amen.